0: From Relay FM, this is Upgrade, episode 336. Today's show is brought to you by FitBud and AirBuddy. My name is Mike Hurley, and I'm joined by Jason Snell. Hello, Jason Snell.
1: Hello, Mike Hurley. How are you?
0: I'm fine, my friend. How are you?
1: Uh, doing great. And uh, I could tell you about the weather, but instead, how about a Snell Talk question?
0: Mollys asks, how do you clean your monitor, Jason? Or how
1: often do you clean it?
0: And how, but how often and how? <laughs>
1: um well i have no idea that that's how little how i don't i I, like how do i clean it i mean barring the taking like the sleeve of my hoodie and Mm -hmm. like rubbing it on the screen a little Mm bit almost never
0: yeah i never think about cleaning my monitor unless something has happened
1: you know? Right, I mean, if if you if somebody tells a joke while you're drinking something and you go mm-hmm. and spit, take all over your monitor, you you should clean your monitor then. Yeah. But but otherwise, no. Uh, and the my window is to my left, and it so I very I don't have glare on my monitor, mm. and so I don't glare is where you're really going to see stuff on your monitor, mm-hmm. and so I don't. So it it happens occasionally. I will be like, oh, I should probably I'll, I'll see it in an angle when it's turned off, and I'll be like, oh. I should clean my monitor. But um, that happens very rarely. Only certain times of year, I suppose, when the sun is in the right position to reflect off of the monitor. If you would like to send in a question
0: to help us open an episode of the show, just send out a tweet with the hashtag SnowTalk or use question mark SnowTalk in the RelayFM members' Discord and you can help us uh, with any question you like. Uh, I have a follow-up, a programming note. Uh, Upgradians may want to be aware. That Apple's Q1 2020 results are coming this Wednesday, <laughs> so we'll be yes. talking about it next week. We are definitely going to talk about this one because this is the the expectation from analysts. I was reading this over the weekend um, is that Apple are expected to pass a hundred billion dollars in revenue for the quarter for the first time, which would obviously be their biggest quarter of all time. Um, and there's we, we all know, the many reasons why that would happen, but it's going to be. I reckon pretty fascinating regardless. Like the last quarter results were too, right? Like there were a lot of weird surprises in it because of the changing ways of people working. I'm really intrigued to see kind of like what happens to the Mac line. Yeah, there, well,
1: after, growth? after that. After that record-breaking quarter, and what is what is the holiday in the middle of the pandemic? What does the holiday yep. quarter look like? And uh, yes, I think upgradian should be interested in knowing that the results are coming this Wednesday. Also, thank you, Mike. I didn't have this on my calendar, so there was. A thank you for telling me. Fifteen percent of the results. reason
0: that I put this in the show
1: <laughs> is to make sure that you were aware that it was happening. I, you know, it's funny. I usually think of it about a month before and look up the date and yep. put it in there, and I and. and I think perhaps because I've been so busy with other things, it literally never occurred to me. So uh, I guess I'll be making some charts on Wednesday. Because it wasn't
0: until I saw this Mac Rumors report about the expectations from analysts that I knew that it was this week week
1: either. So, you know, just just passing it on. Every three months, like clockwork, and yet it manages to surprise me. All right, let's talk about some uh, the some of the news in
0: streaming media and platforms and services in our regularly recurring segment, Upstream. Mm-hmm. Apple have named Warner Brothers Pictures executive J.P. Richards as head of film marketing strategy. Um, clearly, Apple is continuing to move their push into movies the same way they're pushing into TV. Uh, Richards was part of Warner Brothers like up until very recently i think he's still there but like is they in their shake-up he's leaving he's leaving but you know having been a uh somewhere they modern he's worked on a bunch of you know really popular movies for them like wonder woman and joker and the star is born and stuff like that
1: yeah and it's just an example about um the importance we focus a lot on um streaming services as places to go for tv series but but they are. I was going to say increasingly, but we're already there. They are also a place for film release, and not just the sort of uh, Oscar bait film release stuff. But as a strategy, some audiences don't want to binge necessarily as many TV shows, but they do want to have a movie to watch. Uh, sit down and watch a watch a good film, and that's why um, another item we have in, in in upstream that we should probably mention in this context, which is Netflix um strategy is is so film focused in so many ways, and they made a statement that they're going to release uh just a, a huge number of films it 's more than a movie a week it's seventy <laughs> films in 2021 so more than an original release a week these are just the films that they know they have
0: Mm, right there could be more these are all the Mm -hmm. films that are done or will be done and have release dates on netflix in 2021 and they have like you know it name your favorite hollywood actor they're probably (laughs) on netflix like they have everybody it's like a super smash brothers commercial it's unbelievable. Uh, and I'm sure Netflix are trying to, and will do whatever they can to pick up any movie that they can, that is not going to be in theaters this year. Um, and so movies continue to be, I think movies are the next part for the streaming services. Like it was TVs, right? TV shows, series.
1: First they ate the TV Mm -hmm. world and now they're going to eat the movie world.
0: And don't get it wrong. Like this is not pandemic related. Like they haven't got all yeah. these movies because they're not going to be in the cinemas. These were always right. going to be Netflix movies by and there, large. There's
1: some acceleration there, yeah, but it was going to happen anyway. And I was thinking about it. I have watched movies recently. Movies on HBO Max, Netflix, Hulu, um, Apple TV Plus. Like you, you can I can go through them. Like I have watched movies, new release movies on all of these services. Prime Video. Um like good real real movies um and and so I get the appeal i I get the appeal of it that mm-hmm. that you know the movies just keep rolling onto these services and and yeah people there are different audiences for for these different things some people wanna sit down and binge uh you know ten episodes of something, and some people want to have like that big release movie that's two hours of super concentrated entertainment and and the streaming services see that as an opportunity. So I think it's interesting Mm -hmm. when you look at Netflix and then you see that Apple is staffing up even more on its film side. And we've had lots of reports about Apple making deals for movies and then doing development of movies and funding movies themselves that like, this is another trend. So whether you're looking at Apple TV plus or you're looking at any of its competition, Um, this is, I I think it's going to be an interesting question. We talked about the effects of the pandemic on the movie industry in five years, what kind of movies are released on streaming and what kind of movies are released in theaters? And what does that look like? Because that's an interesting question of like, what does a streaming movie look like? Because I think if you asked any of the streaming services, they would say, we're not making we're not making lesser movies. These aren't like, you know, what we used to call TV movies that were like movies, but really it's just like low budget. And it's, it's really like a, a one episode TV show. They want them to feel, you know, completely cinematic and, and real. And at the same time, traditional movie theaters had kind of crowded out almost everything that wasn't either a prestige Oscar bait kind of movie or a blockbuster. So there's plenty of room for all kinds of movies, maybe on streaming that wouldn't be there in in movie theaters. So, uh, you know, I I think it would be a mistake to say that that streaming isn't going to transform um, the if, you know, watching a movie Mm -hmm. uh, in all of its ways, just as it's transformed watching TV.
0: You see James Bond
1: got delayed again. Mm, of course, it did. October. Everything's now. the the shuffling continues. Yeah, the shuffling. October. That's that's very much a vaccine motivated move, right? Uh-huh. Which is like, ah, uh, I think by October, surely by October, it's a, we're in the bargaining stage, right? Surely by October, theaters will be back open, and uh-huh. maybe they will. But I'm going to share with everybody out there something that I've I've kind of come up with in my own life, and I've talked to my family about, which is I have yet to see someone bet. If you have to bet about the coronavirus impact on something, um, bet the over is what I'm saying. Bet the over. Right. It'll be worse yeah. than that. Yeah. I, I've, no one yet has made a bet on COVID-19 that's been like, "Oh, it was better than I thought. That hasn't It may <laughs> happen. It may happen. I hope it happens, <laughs> hasn't happened yet. So uh, this is, you know, MGM's like,, yeah, come on October for James Bond. Maybe it'll be October. Maybe it will be. But, you know, we've gone through a series of like, it'll be later in 2020. It'll be early in 21. And the one that makes me laugh, I was watching a a football playoff game yesterday and, um, they have movie sponsors. And so the announcers will come back and say, oh, the AFC championship game is brought to you by this movie in theaters, March 24th or whatever. And it was, it was the AFC championship game is brought to you by this movie. 2021.
0: (laughs) I thought, (laughs) wow,
1: just sometime it'll come out sometime. Somewhere. Exactly. Watch it somewhere in the future. (laughs) In a theater. Maybe. On your TV? Could be. We don't know. Only in Australia? Possibly. 2021, that's all we're saying. I saw somebody say
0: on Twitter that Daniel Craig will be two years older when this movie came out than when when he finished filming it.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, New Mutants (laughs) came out um, last year after sitting on the shelf at Fox and then Disney for a long time. And that had a bunch of kid, you know, young actors in it who are like, it had, um, Anya, Anya from game of Thrones. Anyway, Maisie Williams, um, was in it. Right. And like anybody who watched game of Thrones, like she's way younger in the new Mutants than she was in game of Thrones. It's like, okay, it was amazing. No. Or was it uh, the other one? The one who played, uh, I can't even remember the names of the kids in game of Thrones. Anyway, there are people who are way, way, way uh, younger than they were when you saw them last year on TV, and that's because it sat on the shelf. So fortunately, Daniel Craig doesn't visibly age, so it'll be okay. NBC Universal is going to be shutting down
0: NBCSN, which is their sports network, at the end of 2021. They're going to be moving some of their highest profile content to the USA cable network. Instead, the rest of it will probably go to Peacock. What do you think about
1: this? this is uh this is uh by the way uh real-time follow-up yes Maisie williams is who it was who is in uh who's in the new means mm-hmm. so because uh her her <laughs> another x-men movie with the other uh young woman from game of thrones <laughs> so confusing so many x-men movies um the the this story about nbc sports network just like this is nbc's attempt to do ESPN, essentially. And Fox had one and CBS has one. Um, And there was a trend last decade to be like, well, we need a sports-only channel too and we're going to buy sports rights and we're going to plow it in to that channel and people are going to have to demand it on their cable company and we'll make money from cable companies. And the reason I put this story in our our notes is because I feel like this is actually kind of a huge story because this is what this decade is going to be. This decade is going to be turning off cable channels moving the content to streaming or to cable or broadcast channels that have much larger audiences and just sort of simplifying the approach so the idea here is that NBC universal is literally tearing down their sports channel on cable it's going to the lights are going to go out this year and they're going to move some of that stuff to USA network which has a much broader penetration into households in the US um, they might put some stuff on broadcast TV on more stuff on NBC broadcast and they've got Peacock. So they know they put literally everything else can just go on Peacock mm-hmm. and and it will and that this is their strategy. And and so is it is it super notable as a story unto itself? Maybe not. But I feel like we're going to see this same story happen again and again until the, you know what we think of as the cable bundle is a lot more simplified because a lot of that stuff is just not going to make financial sense anymore, and streaming becomes something that makes more financial sense. So um I'm not surprised. This is where this is the home of the Premier League. This is where Ted Lasso, yeah, got yeah. its start was the ads for the Premier League on NBCSN, and they're shutting it down because. At some point, somebody said, why are we spending all the money on having our own sports network when we can just put the high-profile stuff on USA and everything else on Peacock and be done with it? And that's what they're going to do.
0: Following on from this, NBC's Peacock and the WWE have entered an agreement to make Peacock the only place for the WWE network streaming service to be available
1: in the US. We go now to Upgrade's special wrestling correspondent, (laughs) Mike Hurley. This is a huge deal. This is a massive deal.
0: So the WWE has 1.5 million, I believe, paying subscribers in the US, um, which now becomes a base for Peacock as well.
1: Yep. They all get Peacock P- Peacock Premium, I think, which is the one that it's got ads, but it's the one you have to pay for. And that's where all yep. that content goes. And all those subscribers get just moved over into, into Peacock, which means they get access to all the, all the Peacock stuff, too.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because you could either keep paying the same amount that you were paying and get premium with no ads or you can cut it down by half get ads on peacock stuff and then you also still get all the wwe content as well um the wall street journal says this deal is worth over a billion dollars for the wwe Hmm. it's super interesting i now expect to see uh the wwe enter into these agreements with other companies around the globe now um, the yeah. WWE Network is worldwide because they own all the content, so they don't right. really have issues. Because so the way that it works, they're, they're kind of clever about it in a way. Their TV shows were never on the WWE Network. Um, right. they, they play them later, but they have arrangements. So like one of their shows is on the USA Network already, which is part of NBC. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they have different agreements around the world, but they have additional content and what used to be their pay-per-views. Have always shown on the WWE network, right? And
1: this is this is a transformation from the idea of we're going to do a pay per view of yep. the Royal Rumble or whatever yep. to we're going to just put it on our streaming service and go from an all carte model to a subscription streaming service mm-hmm. model. Which we anybody who listens to Upstream will nod and say, okay, that's interesting because they they threw out their kind of old old model and went to this new model, and now they're ro- they're just wrapping it inside of of Peacock. Yep. They're they're wrapping it inside of an existing you know this is essentially nbc universal not buying the wwe but buying the you know buying or licensing the wwe's streaming content all yep. of it
0: cuz as well they make a lot of original stuff a lot of documentaries mm-hmm. and the documentaries tell the
1: actual true stories right of what's happening in these people's lives and it's and- customer customer acquisition because they're getting all of those subscribers Mm -hmm. who presumably you know they can then say look at all these extra peacock subscribers we've got um you know that we can sell ads to which because that is part of their business i wonder and i don't know enough about this but i do look at this and think i wonder if in the long run they might buy the wwe but they might not need to and and right now their their ambition is yeah, right now their ambition is not mm. uh worldwide necessarily for NBC Universal, but but right, this is essentially NBC Universal is gonna make this a tile like how Disney Plus has mm-hmm. Star Wars and Marvel and Disney and Pixar, right? Yeah. They have uh they have this, Disney Plus, another thing I watch movies on. Um they they have wrestling now, right? That's like part of Peacock. They've got Premier League and they've got wrestling, like they're they're starting to put together uh, and the office—that's basically what's on Peacock now.
0: But to be honest, for a lot of people, that's and probably enough.
1: Right? Yeah, it, it's look. This is all you know. They're adding. People are like, "Well, why would I get Peacock?" And it's like, "Well, we've got two good new reasons. You know, we we moved most of our Premier League stuff to Peacock, and now we've moved we've moved the WWE to Peacock. And we're like, okay, well, and we're gonna move even more of our sports there because we're shutting down our sports channel. And this is. This is how the game is going to be played from now on. Yep. They're they're it's fascinating to see them being this aggressive with this. But I I think all of this stuff is smart. I think it's smart. And is this uh, the
0: transition from the WWE network to Peacock is going to happen in March? So to get it done before WrestleMania, because that's when the, the, you want to do this before WrestleMania, because WrestleMania is where the casual people like casual viewers right. Will come right, and so they might be able to. Every year, I expect that the WWE picks up new subscribers around that time who stick around for the right. year.
1: Um, and so once, the, um, sense. once the mania subsides, yeah. people will have Peacock. They'll, they'll wake up from the mania and they'll be like, whoa, And they could be calmed by Michael peacock? Scott, I guess, you know.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Everyone calm down now. All right, this episode is brought to you by AirBuddy. When you open your AirPods near your iPhone or your iPad, you get that beautiful user interface animation, right? It makes AirPods such a lovely little experience. It's like, hey, your AirPods are connected. But when you open near a Mac, Nothing for you, but if you have air, buddy you get that same smooth experience and more with AirPods on your Mac. And with AirBuddy 2, this is taken to the next level of a refreshed user interface, improved reliability, and tons of new features. AirBuddy supports all versions of the AirPods, including the AirPods Pro and the AirPods Max, and all Beats products powered by the W1 or H1 chip. Simply connect and change listening modes at the same time with a single gesture on the trackpad. Using AirBuddy's connection modes, you can automate system volume, audio input and listening mode so that you're ready to go for that video conference with just a single click. That's very clever stuff. and It's very useful. Uh, AirBuddy can also show you battery information for your iPhone, iPad or iPod touch and their accessories or from the batteries widget, which can be added to notification center on Mac OS. I really love AirBuddy. I love having the animations. That's just a nice touch. But like that battery widget, is very useful, and it's doing something that the Mac doesn't do. There isn't one, right? We have those battery widgets on iOS, but we don't have them on the Mac, and you can get them this way. And one of my very favorite features is you can assign a keyboard shortcut to some of the interactions in AirBuddy. So if I'm wearing headphones or whatever, and for whatever reason it's not connecting to my Mac, I have this issue. uh, I use a keyboard shortcut, and it will find the like whatever headphones are in use and closest to that Mac, it will connect to them instantly. It's really fantastic. I, I use this every single day with my AirPods Max. I just hit the shortcut and it says it's connected and I'm good to go. AirBuddy is sandboxed. It doesn't require any kernel extensions. It's fully compatible with macOS Big Sur and Apple Silicon. And But it works on any Mac with Bluetooth low energy running macOS 10.14.6 or later. So it still works there as well. And as a fun side note, this app is made by friends of the show, Guy Rambo, so you know it's good. Uh, if you have AirPods and you have a Mac, you need AirBuddy. Go to airbuddy.app slash upgradefm to learn more. The first 100 upgradians to use that URL will get AirBuddy with a 20% discount. That's airbuddy.app slash upgradefm. Go there quick to get that 20% discount. There'll be a link in the show notes too. Our thanks to AirBuddy for their support of this show and FM. I use this app every single day. Big recommend it's good so apple today announced a feature that has been rumored it was actually a feature that we spoke about a couple of weeks ago was we did apple should add this to fitness plus Mm -hmm. it's called time to walk it is a inspiring audio walking experience this is an apple watch and airpods feature So, which is interesting to me. The only way you can listen to this content is by using an Apple Watch with connected Bluetooth headphones. Uh, There will be weekly original content featuring influential and inspiring people. Uh, The first four episodes of this fitness content uh, feature Dolly Parton, Draymond Green, Sean Mendez, and Uzo Aduba. They show, and what I like as well, so they're, basically they're talking to you about something, they have a story for you, right? So right. They'll tell you, it's all different stuff. They, everybody's got their own story. And while they're telling you the stories, they show images on the Apple Watch as you're listening, which are relevant to the story that they're telling. And then once the story's over, there's a short playlist of Apple Music tracks that accompany the story. So as you can imagine, Shawn Mendes is one, features three Shawn Mendes songs. (laughs) That's how that goes. Uh, These stories um, will automatically download to your Apple Watch, but I think that's on the next version of watchOS currently because without an update, they're available now um, and you have to download them from the fitness app. So they're in the fitness app today. It's just service high content stuff. Um, I really like as well that this feature is available for wheelchair users as well. And it's called time to push if you're a wheelchair user um and so that i just think that's just a nice way of doing it um but that's available there i've seen a lot of people say that these are podcasts i don't understand why people keep saying that they're not i don't know why people like hey it's apple's original podcast strategy this is not apple's original podcast strategy we've already seen it we spoke about it they have actual podcasts that they make one's called apple news today we spoke about this Um, i think
1: you know I think it's that it they're, they're saying it's going to be released weekly and so at a glance you could say it's audio original audio content released weekly but it is I mean tied into fitness plus and only available on the apple watch like right like it's not quite the same but I get I get the release schedule being a, a feeling like spoken word on a release schedule feels podcasty sure <laughs>
0: they're like I understand that but it does, they just don't feel, I just don't understand. It's like, it's like we say
1: Spotify's podcasts aren't podcasts, right? But they're more like podcasts than this. Well, oh, well, if Spotify's podcasts aren't podcasts, these are, these are definitely not podcasts. If everything is a podcast, then these are podcasts. If, every, if audiobooks are a podcast, then this is a podcast. Yeah, by the way, uh, this can be our new uh, podcast or not. <laughs> oh, God. Just... Uh, is, that, yep. is the is the is the is the dance the robot a podcast? Um, I we mentioned I mentioned this in the context of of running, yeah, because I felt like uh, that they don't have any running content because you know you run outside and I, I said I said it would be nice if they did some audio only content and walking is good because the, the idea there was also you're getting you're getting somebody uh, active like get off your couch get off out of your chair go for a walk and listen to an interesting story from Draymond Green great. I'm intrigued by that. I want to hear what Draymond Green has to say. Uh, he plays for the the Warriors. He's a basketball player. But... Um, I I do wonder about runs. That would be an interesting idea, like a guided run. And I and it comes back to some of the other complaints slash you know room for improvement in Fitness Plus that I mentioned the last time, which is could you use the sensors to, um to build an experience that's a little more interactive. So like, could you do a run thing where the the voices drop in and there's also music and it kind of comes back and forth or would it be just more of a linear thing of like somebody, uh, you know, somebody having you run and then telling you a story. And then I don't know, but I'm intrigued by the idea. I would love to try out um, some audio content for runs because I do them and it would be, i listen to podcasts now which is fine but i i would i would give it a shot um and then i've also heard people say that this might be a nice way to do kind of meditation or relaxation or other stuff like that where um again you don't need uh to be watching a tv screen you you get your eyes closed but you could use it as a kind of gentle guidance sort of like how that there are um there are those meditation apps that let you do this and they're they're expensive subscription apps too, right? So they Mm -hmm. could get into that as well of like a calm down, a mindful relaxation kind of thing. I think there's opportunity for Fitness Plus to go in that direction uh, as well. And then um, our friend Shelly Brisbane, I think pointed out uh, in one of our slacks that it also is potentially a a nice accessibility thing, right? Because um, having audio only content is, uh, is good for people who uh, don't consume video content. So, uh, I'm encouraged by this. I love that they are already rolling out other features of fitness plus. I think that's good.
0: Yeah. And it's a good, it's a good one to have because it's also like, if you have fitness plus, but you're not like a big high intensity workout training type person, this is like another thing that you can add that like is a value to you. Right. And so I'm going to do one of these tomorrow. Um, So I'm gonna go out for a walk tomorrow, and I'll listen to one of these things. Um, I I don't know why this has to be Apple Watch only for the audio component. Well,
1: it it doesn't, obviously, Mm. right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) But (laughs) yeah, Apple so Fitness Plus currently, at least, is Apple Watch required. Yeah. Um. So I think. It's, it's that. that, and mm-hmm. maybe they've got a, maybe they've got kind of a gimmick going too about like I don't know if you stop walking if you just listen to these on your couch does it um does it stop playing and make you walk more or something I, like it could use the walk as a metaphor and we really no we really want you to walk right uh, during this and and they the, they're using the Apple Watch as the sensor to do all of that stuff even though you could do that on the phone as well they're all. You know, it's all tied in. I do wonder if some of it is just a, did you know that you can pair headphones with your Apple Watch and just walk with your Apple Watch. But, uh, but you're right. This could very easily be something you could do with just your iPhone.
0: Mark Gurman uh, has more reports. <laughs> we have a couple more Mark Gurman reports.
1: He wasn't done. He wasn't he done. He wasn't done on that Friday afternoon. He wasn't yep. done. Uh,
0: first one is about Apple's upcoming VR headset.
1: So can I? F- I feel like this whole segment of upgrade is us being right. Yeah, Does it feel that way to you. Yeah, because nice, this this it? report I felt like was very close to what we talked about, and it was one of my theories for how Apple could possibly do a headset in twenty twenty. Yep was I said it was kind of like a VR developer kit that yep. could fake AR, but that would be really more of a high price developer demo and something that would be for mass use, but it would mm-hmm. allow them to get the hardware out there and that they had the hardware for this so they could put it out there and, you know, please tell them about Mark's report, but I'll just say, as I read it, I was like, isn't this, you know, is this a product for people and or is it kind of a tech demo for developers and could it be sold that way? I, I'm, it, I nodded while I read this report. Is what I'm saying.
0: Well, this is the thing, though, right? It, wouldn't it be nice if it were, if it were both, <laughs> right? Yeah. So um, it's apparently being designed as a high-end niche product, with expectations that it's not going to be a product that sells exceedingly well in its first iteration, but it's believed this is a first step towards more compelling products. In the future, Um, there was actually like the sales expectations are very slim. Um, Mm -hmm. I think they said something like they would assume they would sell as many as one per day in retail stores, which is similar to the kind of volumes they have for the Mac Pro from an expectation (laughs) perspective.
1: Yeah. and, And, you know, high end niche product. We've said endlessly here that Apple makes products to sell in volume. Mm hmm. So this report is weird, unless you think of it as essentially something that's pitched as a tech, uh, a tech demo product. Yep. that it's a developer product. Yeah, and like like a Mac Pro, it's a developer product, and it's not for the masses, and it's not going to be marketed for the masses. But it'll be available. You're not going to be. Maybe you don't have to be an, a a, uh, a developer to buy it, but it that's essentially how they how they pitch it is that it's, you know, a glimpse at the future and, uh, and for people who are developing the next generation stuff for AR. And I think that that, I mean, as we were talking about when, when we
0: spoke about this last time, I think the benefit that you have there is that you, you don't have to have the Apple watch problem, right? Of like, Hey, we have this thing. It does. It does everything see what it see see how it works right and it was very scattershot if apple do a thing like this a product like this it's purely to understand on a larger scale their future of this type of device like this is not the device right this is the first version of honestly not even the thing they're going to make right this is a vr focused device It will display a 3D environment for gaming, video viewing, video viewing and communicating with others currently set to debut as soon as 2022. This is not the product. The product is AR glasses. This is not AR glasses. But if you get this kind of thing out into the world, you'll see how developers like it. You'll see what customers like and what they don't like. And it's dipping your toe into this other market rather than just. Throwing all your cards down on the table and hoping that it works. Apple got to do that with the iPhone. You can't keep do like that's not a thing you can just do every time, right? I mean, I know the iPhone was not perfect, but it was a very, for, for its time, very fully realized. It had everything yeah. you would want and more. They have not succeeded in doing that with the iPad. They have not succeeded in doing that with the Apple Watch. They all took time to understand how these products would be used by people and what they were good for, for them to really take off.
1: Right, but they were full, fully featured products. I think the problem that I have with this rumor is that this is, like you said, this is not the product. No, this is the pre this is version zero of a product, and Apple traditionally does not release version zero of a product, which is why I'm kind of fascinated that this report is that they're actually going to release this that's why I speculated that it would be released as developer hardware mm-hmm. as a way to basically say this isn't for people, and maybe they could brand it as something that was essentially developer or technical review or whatever and then and then get it out there. but it seems weird that they would even treat it as a regular product, even if you could buy it from like like, why even put it in Apple retail? Why not just have it be at just online and it's expensive and nobody is going to buy it unless, they're, unless really they're a, a developer? are really
0: helps to demo this stuff physically. So they would put it in retail for that, right? Like, yeah, if you wanted but, to understand what it was like to use, you could go there and use it. But
1: But do you want to... I mean, unless they're using it as kind of marketing for the future of air, but it's like not a product people should buy. If it's not a product mm-hmm. people should buy, this this is the core of my confusion about this, is Apple releases products people should buy. And Mark Gurman's report is sort of like, eh, this isn't a product people should buy. It's not. And it's not going to sell well. And it's going to be expensive. And it's a niche product. But they're going to do it. And it's going to be VR, not AR. And you know and it's everything that we described which is you could take an iPhone and iPhone games and all those things and put them in a headset and have something like an Oculus Quest 2 you could do it and and Mark Gurman's report is they are going to do it that's what they're going to do and that's fine like i could see that i could see a, a report that said apple thinks that it can make a better Oculus Quest 2 than facebook can and it's going to do it And, you know, will it sell a billion of them? Well, no, but it gives them a beachhead with VR games and stuff, and then their AR product will follow. But that's not what the report says. The report says, no, it's not a product people are going to want, and they're not going to try hard to market it, and they're not going to sell any, and it's going to be very expensive. And that's the part that baffles me because either you make a product that's like the Oculus Quest and you make it, uh, you know, popular within a certain circle mm-hmm. or you make a very expensive high-end product that is essentially a tech demo for developers for Apple to release like both of those are things that I understand Apple doing I don't understand kind of something that's both at once so I'm a little bit baffled by that so I I appreciate
0: Samsung as a company Because they release products just so they can get better at making the future version of that product. Sure. Sure. Right. But
1: Apple doesn't do that. Not typically, no. Uh, but I, Even the Apple Watch didn't feel like a throw-it-against-the-wall kind no. of product, even though, even though its messaging was very much throw-it-against-the-wall. It, against the wall. it and yes, did feel like a, a focused Apple product, just a first-generation product.
0: When they showed it off, right, so this, I keep bringing up the Apple Watch in, in relation. When they showed it off, it seemed like, wow, this thing can do anything. But when we received it, we realized, kind of can't. Like it's, it's, it's not great for all of the stuff that we were shown. It's better at these certain things. Similarly for the most recent Apple TV, right? Like TV OS was shown to us as being like, oh, it can do everything. But really, it does these things very well. My thinking on this, the reason I like this is that even though it is not the typical Apple move, I think it is the right move if they want to make the best version of the AR glasses that they can possibly make is by taking these small steps that. At the time that they happen, just in a vacuum, seem really weird, right? Like this is going to be an over one thousand dollar, right? Like two to three times more expensive than the competition headset with none of the games you want because Facebook keeps buying all the studios that make the best games, right? Like and you know so, um. But I, I, I think it's so they can try and make this other thing later on i know this is a bold strategy cotton like i I don't know if it's gonna work out for them but yeah it's something to try
1: i i agree to a point like we've we've been saying all along that apple's focus on ar is very clearly in ipads and iphones is very clearly just laying groundwork because they want to do ar on your face but they haven't gotten there yet and that part i kind of accept apple does a lot of testing of new tech in existing tech and then rolls it all together mm-hmm. um i i what where I, and again maybe mark Gurman doesn't have this part clear i don't know but it's the it's it's the this is not going to be a product that sells exceedingly well in its first iteration and that it's a niche high-end product i that would be a real change in strategy for Apple mm-hmm. to release a product, a big new first generation in a new class product for Apple that Apple basically says you're not going to want. Now, that doesn't stop them. Uh, to, the counter argument would be they're not going to do it like that. They're going to make it that this is Apple's finally making a VR thing for games and stuff and it's revolutionary. And yeah, it costs $1,200. If you want it, go buy it. And everybody will scream about the price. And Apple behind the scenes is like, that's fine. We don't want you to actually buy this one. But that they're going to be like, no, but it's best in class. And look at how beautiful. Like, according to the German report, the, uh, the screen quality is way better. Which is, you know, VR goggles, uh, the... It's grainy, right? We're used to high-resolution displays, yep. and they, they aren't capable of that. So maybe this one is, and it's truly HD, and they're going to have really good cameras. They have iPhone cameras on it, so when you're in mixed reality mode and you can see the world around you, it actually looks pretty good. It's high resolution, it's color, um, and and because like the Quest Two is it's low resolution and black and white, and it still blows me away. When I'm in that mixed reality mode. I'm like, whoa, I can see the world around me while I'm wearing these things. It's great, right? So if Apple could do that and do it really well, I can see all of that. It's just fascinating because it would be a change for them. And uh I, I guess I guess we'll see. I think they could probably release something like this and hide it away more. In a developer context, which is why I suggested that, Mm -hmm. because then it's sort of like at a developer conference, Apple announced VR goggles that cost $1,200 or whatever, a large amount of money. Nobody is interested in them, but it, it, it almost takes the pressure off of them. It makes everybody speculate about Apple's long term plans, but it takes the pressure off of Apple in one sense because they don't have to be that product product is has like a a disclaimer on it right it's like this isn't a product it's like it's like we're not gonna reviews of the of the uh, apple silicon uh, mac mini developer test kit that was running on the a14z or a12z it's like we don't care like it's not a real product so apple could do that if it wanted to and say this is not a real product look away avert your eyes if they choose not to do that I'm not saying that they won't, and I'm not saying that's a bad idea, but I am saying that's really interesting because uh, Apple is heavily scrutinized. It's not something that I feel like they've really done before. It has a potential to really backfire on them. You worry about the stink of it stinking up what you do next, and maybe they're so confident that they're not worried about that. But I guess what I'm saying is in the past, they've just hidden this stuff. And if they choose not to hide it, that's going to be really interesting because I think it's a move that they haven't made before. Um, But, you know, make no mistake, I totally see what this product could be. Mm -hmm. And it could be really great, even if it's very expensive. It could be actually kind of great. But it's a weird thought to say that Apple's going to release something as a consumer product. Essentially, they're going to call it that and release it like that and put it in Apple stores when all they're really doing is laying the groundwork for the you know, the the glasses that are to come in 21 or, or in 22 or 23. So
0: from Mark Gummer's report, uh, Mark says that the plan is that the product will build a foundation of their AR ambitions to come and will also provide developers with some hardware to build apps and experiences on. And this is the thing, we can see the logic in that, but it's certainly an, a peculiar thing to do though, right? Like, hey, this thing costs Twelve hundred dollars. We're going to show you all the features that it does. Psst, don't
1: buy it. <laughs> right? That right? And if they truly feel that way, it's a developed product. Call it that. Mm-hmm. But I do wonder if they're like, well, you know, our our fans. Some of them will buy this, mm-hmm. even if it's really expensive. Mm-hmm. Like there are there are people who have no business buying a Pro Display XDR who buy that mm-hmm. because we make it. Hi Marco um hi john hi steven hi, hi 90 per- hi steven hi 90 percent of the people who bought the pro display xdr yeah. you like don't need the features but it is a, it is a beautiful apple product i'm and i'm not i'm not really making fun of you i'm saying there is a part of apple's market that wants the newest apple stuff and yeah. it doesn't really matter they're not gonna be a, make it a best seller but they will buy it if they're allowed to like a lot of people would have bought that a12z mac mini yeah. If they were allowed yeah. to, even though it's just for developers. There right? are enough Apple podcasters so, in the world. Yeah. yeah. So that's the argument, right? That's the argument is buy it if you want, but don't buy it. But, but you know, but if you want, I, I guess I look at it and I think that you're you're opening yourself up if you're Apple to a lot of backlash because Apple releasing a product to the consumer market, to everybody, putting it in Apple stores it is Apple putting a stamp on it saying, This is ready to go. This is ready for prime time. This is ready to be judged. This is ready to be analyzed. Because Apple doesn't have a a tradition of throwing the spaghetti against the wall. Apple doesn't release fifteen phones and see what happens, and thirteen of them are discontinued and are never seen again. Mm. It doesn't do that. So it is opening itself up to a level of criticism and scrutiny that it could avoid if it wants to. I am fascinated. Uh, I I will be like, if they, if they welcome it and say, no, we're going to, yeah, it's a high end VR set. And, uh, obviously it's a first crack and this is going to go in a lot of places. And most people probably aren't going to want this, but, uh, those who do are going to have the best in class VR experience that's ever been done. Right. They'll say that. That's what Apple says. And, uh, maybe they will that would be a real gutsy move for them and it would be that's why i'm fascinated most by it is that i feel like that would what that says about apple changing its its strategy i have no doubt it'll be good like i I have no doubt it would be good because they've got all the pieces to make it good it just will be like super expensive but i have no doubt it would be best in class among at least among the standalone and maybe among all um, of the vr goggle type things that are out there headsets
0: during testing, Apple struggled with the size and weight of the device, so they removed the space in the hardware to accommodate for eyeglasses. So they, so basically, uh, a lot of these devices they have like um, a lens adjustment thing. So if you have eyeglasses, you can kind of adjust the lens so it's clear to you. In the units that Apple have been working on, they've removed that and they will offer the ability for people to order prescription lenses
1: instead. I mentioned uh, with the Quest that I bought that they have this, uh, the Virtue Clear lens insert. Yeah, I think we were talking about that in Upgrade Plus. Okay. All right. Well, it's, uh, yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, so Oculus has a partner. They work actually with Frames Direct and they have these $80 inserts that go on the goggles Mm -hmm. on the inside and you order them. You know, it's not a prescription in the sense of like you need to go to your doctor, but you do need to sort of know what your adjustment is. And you order, I have some uh, that I bought on Amazon, some swim goggles that are adjusted, that are corrected so that I can kind of see out of them. And they're not perfect by any means, but it means I don't have to wear my glasses in the ocean and have them swept off my face. And then I can't see for until I go home. Right. Uh, That almost happened. So. um, that's what it would be it's like you'd be you you might even be able to go into the apple store and say all right well i need a minus 5 here and a that's yeah. like minus 3 on this eye and then they they it would probably not be you know the lens crafters creating custom prescription things for your it's probably more like do you have your prescription you can look on it or bring it in and we'll say oh you need this one and this one and then we hand them to you or we ship them to you if you know it like and that's that's pretty easy to do because i've done that for the for my swim goggles
0: if their future is making ar glasses they need to be able to accommodate for complex prescriptions it's true So they got to figure it out. Again, it's like these are baby steps. Um, The headset is planned to be a standalone device. I remember this from a from a report that Mark Gurman did a while ago that there were initial ideas to have it wireless to communicate to some kind of processing unit. But Johnny Ive was like, "No way!" And Johnny Ive made it the right move because that is a no way scenario. Yeah,
1: that's mm -mm. no having. I mean, wireless would be better than wired, but you lose a lot if you do a wireless, and mm -hmm. wired is better. But then you've got a cable. And but you can't take this it is the right thing to do anywhere. Yeah. No, this is the right thing to do. Yeah.
0: And obviously, obviously, Apple are considering an App Store for the device. Of course <laughs> they well, are. But of course. Everything needs an App Store. So, I don't know about this. I'm intrigued. I am intrigued. You can call me intrigued. Because I am a VR I believer. Um, mm-hmm. So, I'm intrigued what Apple will do with it. it I, I kind of feel like some kind of 2022 time frame it's not necessarily the best. Like I could imagine if Apple were able to get this out during pandemic time, they could actually market it much nicer, much, much better. I think I think there's, it's got a more interesting marketing story if people are at home more. And I mean, I know we spoke about, uh, always bet on the over, right? But, uh, the hope would be that in 2020 lockdowns might not be as prevalent as they are now. You know, 'Cause I could imagine, you know, even just like a hey VR FaceTime, great. Right. You know? Um yeah, I I will say for my own for for myself, I'm more interested in a VR product than an AR product because Apple's AR glasses will be intended to be a thing I wear all the time. And I still don't know how comfortable I am with that as a notion. Where with mm. VR, I'm like, I'm in for a while, and then I'm out, right? And yeah. it's not part of my life, so cool report though yeah alright this episode is brought to you by FitBod the fitness app that provides a personalized exercise plan a fitness plan that actually fits you because when it comes to fitness FitBod believes that everyone can be better whether you're working out three days a week or twice a day FitBod's algorithm uses data and analytics to help you build on your previous workout so that your next workout is scientifically proven to be better than your last FitBod has been fine-tuned by certified personal trainers trainers to bring the best practices and strength training to you. Your workout program is tailored to your exact needs, making it perfectly suited to your unique body, experience, environment, and goals. Look, it can be hard to know exactly how much you should be doing while exercising. So FitBod takes care of all of that for you so you don't have to worry about under or overtraining. It will mix up muscle groups, exercises, sets, reps, and weight over time to keep you on top form so you don't have to spend hours researching the best strategies to get the results that you're looking for. If you're working out at home right now, FitBod has a bunch of bodyweight-only workouts for you. These are great for indoors or outdoors. Maybe if you're able to uh, order some simple equipment to home they have things for you there. Like, um, I've been able to get resistance bands. You can get these really easy on Amazon. And Fitbot has a bunch of workout options for that specifically, which is great. But if you do have access to more gym equipment, they have tons of great workout options available for you. They have everything you're going to need, no matter how much equipment you have access to, no matter what your personal level of fitness is as well. They can really help you out. Uh, what I really like about Fitbod is the videos that they integrate with every exercise. So you can watch how they're being done as well as getting the instructions so you're able to follow along really easily. FitBod is available on iOS and Android, and you can get started right now by going to fitbod.me upgrade, and you'll also get 25% off your membership. That's fitbod.me upgrade to try out FitBod for free and get 25% off your FitBod membership. Our thanks to FitBod for their support of Upgrade and Relay FM. So we have another Mac report from Mark Gurman as well. He doesn't stop. No, it just keeps on going, and I like it. This time, it's primarily about the MacBook Air with some additional details just scattered in, which is, you know, I love the way that Mark Gumman writes. You know, we said this before, and and we've had him on the show before as well, but like, I really like when he writes a report about one thing and then hides some details about other products in that (laughs) report. I just think it's really fun because it makes it more exciting to read. And like, okay, MacBook Air, MacBook Air. Wait, you said what about the MacBook Pro? I, I like that about the way that he writes. So um, Apple is apparently working on a new, thinner, and lighter version of the MacBook Air. And to achieve this, they'll be shrinking the bezels and retaining the 13-inch screen. Right off the bat, this is like the MacBook, right? Like, that's kind of... This is the Air, right? This is like like the MacBook. We always said at the time, the 12-inch MacBook was really the MacBook Air, because it was thinner and lighter than the MacBook Air. And and then it's always funny that the MacBook Air now is not that much thinner or lighter than the MacBook Pro. Right. The MacBook Air was always supposed to be the thinnest, lightest product. Sure. And I guess this is the recommitment to the MacBook Air again, like they've recommitted to everything else. Like actually going back and making this the product it is meant to be.
1: Yeah, this looks to me like I, I wrote a Macworld piece about how I thought they should just take the 12-inch MacBook and bring it back. And Mark's report here makes me think that Apple perhaps has decided that 12 inches is just too small a screen in going forward as they space out the Mac OS with Big Sur, mm-hmm. and that what they want is a 13-inch screen, but that they can still make it thinner and lighter. And if you look, if you think of it that way... And you think about how we got here with the MacBook Air, right? They killed it. Basically, they put it on life support. It just sort of sat out there with no Retina screen. They tried to sell us a MacBook. They tried to sell us the low end, the MacBook Pro Escape. People just kept buying the MacBook Air, and they finally said, "All right, you're right. You want the MacBook Air? Here it is." And they they release a, a product that is, um, you know, it's a MacBook Air. Like if you use the the old MacBook Air, and then you picked up the Retina MacBook Air in any form, you're like, "Oh yeah, this is the same computer." Um, this report suggests to me that behind that there's a redesign that they, they came out with an air that was, they put together a retina MacBook air that looked more or less like the old MacBook air, but that this is the new, airier MacBook Air, right? Like this is this is one that doesn't necessarily look exactly like the old mm-hmm. classic model, mm-hmm. but is going to do a lot of the same things that the 12-inch MacBook tried to do in terms of being thinner and lighter. And maybe the 12-inch MacBook design just didn't work with the, the new keyboard that they've settled on or, you know, something, some other aspect of Apple Silicon. I don't know uh, their MagSafe plans. Lots of things it could be. But um, the need for a, a, a an airier MacBook Air remained and um so this is fascinating that they apparently are working on this idea yeah. of of how do we make take the existing Air which is very thin and light but as my Macworld article pointed out it's still like 8 tenths of a pound heavier than the 12-inch MacBook like there's there's room to make a smaller MacBook Air there really is a smaller and lighter MacBook Air and I guess they're going there yep however <laughs> Mark Gurman also says that they thought about making a 15-inch model, but that's not happening right now. And that made me laugh because I'm like, remember the, the the big iBook that was the same number of pixels as the small iBook? It was just the 14-inch iBook. It was just like the large print edition mm. of the other <laughs> iBook. I, I, I chuckled when I thought that, when I saw this, but at the same time, consider it just like we had the 11 and the 13 of the MacBook Air. Like, There's no reason that somebody who wants a bigger screen should have to buy a pro MacBook if they don't want it right that, that it doesn't have to be connected to price, uh-uh. having a bigger screen no. doesn't have to be. So I, I laughed at this because I a larger MacBook Air is not the thing I want in the world, but I also kind of understand how they might want to go there or consider going there at some point. Um, just because not everybody wants a little, a little laptop with a little screen and they don't necessarily need to buy a MacBook Pro to get those features. And if they're trying to differentiate, which I think is an important thing for Apple to do, to differentiate between the Air and the Pro, because right now there's very little space between them, yep. then this is a way to do that too.
0: I really like that, that thought of like, the current MacBook Air is another version of a product called MacBook Air but it isn't true to what the
1: MacBook Air was mm.
0: supposed to be.
1: Or, it's, or events have surpassed it, right? Yeah. Like the MacBook Pro has gotten so much smaller and lighter that now they're uncomfortably close together.
0: Yeah, because what it is now, what the MacBook Air, the current MacBook Air is, is just Apple's cheapest laptop.
1: Right. Well, and it's, it is thinner and lighter than the MacBook Pro, but like we saw the 12-inch MacBook and we're like, that. Exactly. Now that because we've was, seen, like it. you said, that yeah. was the air. That was the true thin and light laptop. And and there's that's what I mean when I say having looked at the specs of the of the 11 inch MacBook Air and the 13 inch MacBook Air and then the new Retina MacBook Air. Um, there's room. There's room for it to be thinner and smaller and lighter. There is definitely room for Apple to push in that direction, and it seems like they're going to. Which is great.
0: The new MacBook Air will also feature MagSafe along with a pair of USB 4 ports, and this is as a reminder, USB 4 is the it's Thunderbolt. Yeah, and USB C all in one little package. So it's sure. like cause it can like it's it's those things all together. Um, uh-huh. This version is expected to be a higher end model.
1: With the current M1 MacBook Air sticking around in the lineup. All right. So, all right. Everybody, hold everything. Some of our speculation on this show has been about what's Apple's chip strategy and what's Apple's Mac strategy in terms of bringing out new stuff. And this is such a juicy little tidbit, right? Because what this is saying is, guess what? We're going to bring... A new MacBook Air in that's thinner and lighter, and maybe even has a more powerful processor. I don't know. It d- maybe Mark it'll have does the, say that. Mark says the, the next, that, generation uh, next generation generation of <laughs>
0: Apple Silicon chips,
1: and they're going to leave the old one, the old M one, there, mm-hmm. right? And it's like I'm okay with that. I I think it's fascinating though, right? Because that that's them saying, all right, that 999 or maybe even less that that M one is going to stick around, but spend a little more money, you get the thinner, lighter, faster version. Mm-hmm. That's not something they've done a lot of on the Mac side although it's definitely an ample move but it's not necessarily so much of a Mac move but that's that's interesting and and I think not entirely unexpected the idea that the M1 computers would stick around because they're plenty fast and they form the low end of the of the you know Apple silicon line and then Apple starts building on top of them with a the new generation of processors rather than just iterating and that seems to be at least This is a first indication that that's Apple's plan: is come out with a new MacBook Air, with a next-generation processor, and leave the old one in the price list. Because honestly, even even if it stays at nine ninety nine, such a such a great deal at nine ninety nine. On ATP last week, Marco uh, went off for a while about how great the MacBook Air is, and all I can say is cosine. I I agree completely. Um, Even at nine ninety nine, it's such a great deal. So Apple's got Apple has latitude to just let it sit there and build newer products higher up in the product line or push it down in price a little bit and slide in a new MacBook Air to Like, they've got the room to do it. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what they're doing, according to Mark Gurman. Yep. Um, that's fascinating.
0: This is the strategy. Like, we've wondered, like, what will happen? This is a strategy. It isn't that all the Macs will get updated with all the new chips all the time. Like, there's going to be... Honestly, kind of like the iOS devices, you can still buy last year's and we'll make it a little bit cheaper and it will have that those set of features and, and that will stay as it is. Then here's the M2 versions, here's the M3 versions, here's the M4 versions and so on. Uh, this is kind of making me feel like I think they're going to have a bunch of different letter chips.
1: Yeah, l- M1X. No, more
0: like M1 might be the lower end ones and then it might be a different set for the middle ones like to kind of Mm. differentiate them from each other because it feels like to me there's going to be a lot of processors flying around here Yeah, and I wonder how they're going to name it because yeah, maybe they would be like M1, M1X, M1T and then M2, M2X, M2T, right? So they can kind of, you've got the low end chips the mid-range chips, the high end chips and then they will iterate every year. I'm not sure. Right. Anyway, i about those little details. Oh, by the way, this is due to be released in the second half of this year or early 2022. So we're going to get basically a year out of the current right. MacBook
1: Air before they iterate right. that. I read that as a, as a you know, maybe fall, mm-hmm. or maybe it'll slide into into next year. Yeah. Again, all of these rumors from Mark suggest it's second half of the year with a next generation Apple Silicon chip, which to me reads that if we get any new max in the first half of this year, they're probably M ones provided that some of the things have been fixed. I don't know. Hmm. I don't know. I'm not entirely convinced that there will be any new max in the first half of this year. If Mark's reports are accurate, right? Mm -hmm. Because he's talked a lot about next generation chips and, and the implication there. Is that the next Max will have next generation chips? But there's also sort right. of a strong implication that it's sort of a June WWDC thing. Maybe, mm-hmm. um, I don't know. That it is. It would be interesting if those. Honestly, the M1 Max made such a big splash that if there was ever a year where Apple could afford to just not update anything until June or July, it's this year. But I still would love something sooner than that.
0: So the next line of MacBook Pros that we spoke about last week uh, will gain an SD card slot as one of their IO expansions. So we spoke about having more ports, SD card, one of those ports make a lot of people happy. Yeah. I think that also this is one of those things where it makes more people happy than people that use it. Sure. Right. People love having
1: the freedom the ability the possibility mm. of an upgrade or of a of using a particular kind of port and then they they don't necessarily but they like to know that they could in a pinch and Mm -hmm. i've been in that situation where i've had an sd card and i'm like "Mm, what do i anybody have an adapter because i just don't have an adapter around and and the laptops don't have it and i do you for the record i use the sd card reader on the back of my iMac every week Apple has also uh, apparently been developing
0: the underlying support for cellular Macs, but it's unknown when this will become an
1: option. I love this report because I think what it suggests is that cellular Macs are going to happen. Um, my my feeling all along has been that cellular Macs aren't going to happen now that they bought Intel's you know, cellular yes. radio business. They're yes. going to make 5G chips integrated perhaps even integrated in apple silicon but they're going to make their own apple 5g chips and at that point they're going to say well we should put this in the mac and so they're laying the groundwork here this feels very much like a report where like the os group is now working on cellular control stuff because there are lots of issues where ideally you want to be able to do what you do on ios where you can say don't allow cellular or mm-hmm. do allow cellular or be able to like control when data gets transferred because unless you've got an unlimited plan. And even if you have an unlimited plan, if you've got a narrow pipe and you want certain kinds of data to go through, like there's nothing worse than being somewhere and being like, why can't I do this? And the answer is, well, because you're uploading photos in the background. It's like, I don't want to do that now on the cellular network, even if you have unlimited data because it slows down your network, right? So they got to build some software, ideally software infrastructure for that. And it sounds like that's happening, but his source is basically like, well, we're doing this. Well, when is that going to happen? And there's no hardware source to say, well, the plan is we're going to put that hardware in on X date. But it is encouraging that they're actually working on it, right? Because you can't can't put cellular modems in Macs without laying that groundwork. So I'm very excited that they're laying the groundwork.
0: I completely agree with you that, like, we won't get these until whenever it is Apple does make their own modems, which we know they're doing, right? Like, it's one of those things that's not even a rumor. They they bought Intel's business. Like, you wouldn't do that, right? Like, oh, we just feel sorry for these people. No, they're doing it. Uh, Because, as well, uh, they don't get on very well with Qualcomm. That's Uh, right. So, uh, yeah, this will happen when that happens, and it's not going to happen. Before, I don't think. Um Apple has apparently also been doing work for Face ID on their new Macs and was hoping for this to ship in the iMac redesign, but is apparently now unlikely to happen this time mm, around. So that's
1: disappointing. Very. Um it's it's you know, this is that one two one step forward, one step back kind of thing from Mark Kerman where it's like they are working on face ID for the Mac, but um not now. You're not going to get it now because the new iMac with a new redesigned iMac, you know, hardware would be the perfect time to put in, uh, all the sensors for face ID. Mm -hmm. Um, and it sounds like he's basically saying, well, they're working on it, but it's not, not ready for, for now. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's, that's too bad because Mm -hmm. if there's ever a product that, that could use face ID, it's, uh, it's the iMac more than anything like all well, right really? because they can't put a touch id sensor no you know it doesn't have a it doesn't have a a keyboard attached yep. you have to add a keyboard wired or wireless and and so they it's a much more complicated thing than just putting a camera on that on the top of that thing yep. so that's disappointing so that's what we have for now so yeah Some mark stuff. german provides he provides excitement and he also crushes dreams <laughs> these are things that happen yeah but uh but yeah, his, his track record is very good. So, um, you know, as always, when we talk about these, these reports, you know, I believe that Mark Ehrman's sources are very good. That said, they're, they don't know everything. They only see little portions of it. And things change. So just because right now, as we're talking, some people at Apple say that this is going to happen doesn't necessarily mean it will. They, you know decisions get made all the time stuff gets pulled out um you know things get reversed so we'll see remember once apple wasn't making any uh new displays they were out of the display business and then they made the pro display xdr and are apparently making another display too so things do change
0: it isn't huge news as such but seeing that like the lg displays are like out of stock in most places in europe on apple store
1: yeah, and LG stock has gone in and out because they keep doing sort of stealth updates to some mm-hmm. of their monitors, right? On ATP, Marco talked about that—that they're like three or four different versions of one of their displays. Like, they, they it, unclear whether that—that that means anything. No. Um, I think that Mark Gurman's report was that that external display was there was in one of the slacks or discords that I'm in. Somebody was like, oh, I've got I'm holding out for that every day I wake up and I'm hoping that that uh, display gets announced. And like he made it sound like they're starting work on it. So I wouldn't expect it before until like the end of the year, if then. Mm. So please do not, you know, go to bed every night hoping you'll wake up with news of a of an Apple display. I I think it's going to be a while.
0: Upgradians, if you no longer want to hear ads on this show and also get extra content, why don't you sign up for Upgrade Plus? It's just $5 a month or $50 a year, and you get loads of benefits for being a Relay FM member, like access to our Relay FM members Discord, which, fan- which is a absolutely fantastic place to be, full of wonderfully like-minded individuals. It's great for the live streams too, so there's a great chat going on uh, every time we stream live. You also get extra monthly shows like Backstage and Fusion, annual bonus crossover shows, and so much more. If you go to getupgradeplus.com, you can sign up. And on today's Upgrade Plus segment, which is exclusive for Upgrade Plus listeners, we have a very—we're going to be talking about what it's like to make content that is evergreen versus content that is weekly, like this show.
1: Yeah, I explained the incomparable to Mike, and he got very—we um, got deep. disturbed. We get deep by it. Yeah. We already recorded mm-hmm. it. This is
0: we are lifting the curtain on the curtain lifting. Sometimes we record uh-huh. Upgrade Plus before the episode and but then, then it goes the afterward Uh huh. yeah magical so did we just blow your mind we sure mine is get this and much more by becoming a member today and you'll be supporting us in this show which we thoroughly appreciate that is getupgradeplus.com thank you so much get it let's do some hashtag ask upgrade questions to finish out today's <laughs> show First comes from Eli. Do you think that Apple may be releasing new designs of peripherals along with the new designs of Macs this year? The Magic Mouse launched with the first unibody iMac in 2009. But even if we did, how much
1: change could we really see? Well, I hadn't thought of it. This is a really good question. I feel like it's a, it is a good question to ask. Will Apple modify the peripherals? It's it's a good time for them to do it. Magic Trackpads 2, Magic Trackpad 2 is pretty good. I'm not quite sure what they could do there, although they could... uh, I've been thinking about how they have all of their, um, you know, 3D touch, force touch stuff. And I find it funny that in all the conversations people have had about, like, how these rumors about new laptops with MagSafe and with more ports... And having a a new Apple display and all these things, it feels very much like what all the computer nerds wanted is going to be given to them. And Apple's reverting a bunch of things that we hated about their computers for a while. Nobody has talked about force touch 3D touch, which is an example where Apple rolled that out like the touch bar. And we're like, oh, this is really going to be big. And then it just sort of was met with no enthusiasm and they've started backing away from it. Um. Anyway, the Magic Trackpad 2 has support for that, and I wonder if they could just save some money by throwing that out. And making it a real click again? Uh, well, they could. I actually don't mind the real, the fake click. It feels real to me. Um. I did think, though, that you could also, you know, there's some wacky things you could do there. You could put Apple Pencil on it. Um, hmm. I, I don't know. There's things that they could do there. But the mouse is a really great example where people have been making hay about that charger on the bottom of it for so long now that a redesigned uh, mouse that didn't charge on the bottom uh, would probably be worth doing. Um, the, the people who've been working, it's not as if the people who work on, uh, input devices at Apple are not busy because they are like, they just did the magic keyboard for iPad and they did the magic keyboard for the laptops. Those are, those are big. Those are actually pretty big jobs that they did. But, uh, is there something coming after that? Uh, it would be a good time for Apple to refresh its input devices, Eli. Um, so maybe i would use a wired
0: apple keyboard that had touch id on it
1: sure that would be great if they could do something like that that would be Mm -hmm. yeah a magic magic keyboard with touch id sure Mm -hmm. and because wired keyboards i use them all the time
0: now it's not much
1: of a problem it really isn't um no i've i'm my keyboard is wired because uh i basically i'm sitting at my desk and i can wire it so why not? Then I don't have to charge it. <laughs> it's, it's fine. My trackpad is also wired. It doesn't have to be, but I don't have to charge it if it's always plugged in. So yeah, it's easier. Similar question. Actually, a follow on question from
0: Ryan who asked, could you imagine a future Apple mouse with MagSafe charging? I don't,
1: I don't know how that would work, but maybe what they I should do
0: is like, There's a couple of companies that do this. Uh, cheat, Chi or some kind of wireless charging mouse, mat,
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Constant power to the mouse.
1: Oh, interesting. Interesting. What do you think, you know, this rumor about MagSafe on the laptops being the more like the little pill mm-hmm. size? If they do that, do you think that they might spread that elsewhere? Do you think that that might pop up on peripherals? Maybe. Do you think that that might be... They wouldn't, they wouldn't put two MagSafes on the iPhone, would they? One on the bottom and one on the back. <laughs> for, that, huh. for that portless iPhone. I would like that because
0: then I could still use my pop socket. I hadn't thought of that until now. Well, and it's
1: not induction, right? It's the, the, the MagSafe as described, which is like the MagSafe that we used to have, is not mm-hmm. an induction charge. It's a direct connect mm-hmm. uh, guided by magnets. And so it's a much more efficient, fast charge.
0: I would love that, honestly, because uh, huh? then I wouldn't have to to use the MagSafe puck-style charging. I Mag could Safe imagine the you know, you could put that on a trackpad and a mouse really easily as well. And then that, you know, for, if right? we're talking about peripherals, that could be I how just, you charge peripherals. The,
1: the reason, I mean, I just, it, the thought just occurred to me that one way you could get rid of lightning is with MagSafe. If you built a new MagSafe... That was, uh, you know, unlike people who remember the old MagSafe, it was like hardwired into the into the brick. And I think everybody's hoping that a, the a new MagSafe Apple does is just USB C on one end and the MagSafe connector, and you can buy different lengths mm-hmm. and different kinds of MagSafe connectors. Ideally, and it could even be a licensed product that they could they could work with licensees on. Um, but if you could, you also then drop lightning away from a lot of these products that charge via lightning and instead use MagSafe to make well, that connection. And then just every, everything becomes MagSafe, which is uh, Apple proprietary, I get it, but so is lightning. And if you're not going to go to USB-C, um, maybe that would be a nice thing to do.
0: I don't know. Could they do data?
1: They could if they wanted to, right? They could They could put all, in fact, some of these MagSafe adapters, like I have I have the one that John oh, yeah. Syracuse has. Yeah. Um, those do data those do power and data through yeah. the little thing that you pop you pop the thing in the USB C port and then you have a little a little uh thing that snaps on but you can do data through those and i guess um, it's not
0: a lot but the mag uh, the, the the magic trackpad sorry the magic keyboard for with trackpad for ipad pro it does keyboard input i know you can't do any data through the USB C port that they have on there but there's some data transfer going on there
1: yeah that's using smart connector yeah but- but, you know, but, yeah. but that's
0: magnetic, right? Like it's it's you know, it's, sure it, it's I mean, it's got that going
1: on. So a new MagSafe could very definitely be data. And in fact, I would be surprised if it isn't. I would be surprised if it isn't essentially a USB C port because that allows Apple to do things like make a MagSafe connector for a monitor and data passes through it. It allows them to sell MagSafe, like I said, if they do a a, a licensed program. For Magsafe, like they do with lightning, they could have hubs that have you know you can attach to through that magsafe port. It basically makes the Magsafe port another port on the on the laptop, which could be really interesting. so I don't know maybe uh maybe not, but uh, it's exciting to think about it.
0: I have another two-part question from Jack. okay. Do you use your echo show as a digital photo frame
1: uh Yes, because I set up the new Echo Show, and part of the setup was, would you like to put pictures on it that rotate? You can have up to I don't know what five, ten, something like that. And the the um, the app actually said, let me pick photos from my photo library and upload them. Hmm. So I picked those photos, and those photos just update. I've never gone back to update them, although I suppose I will at some point. I'll get tired of looking at them, but that's what I do. There's no the, you know he asks if there's a good way to automate this and my understanding is no and if there is i haven't even bothered to look it's not that important honestly um so i don't have an answer here i just well, so i anticipate that every 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 so often i'll do it
0: our up is different i don't know how you set it up um but my echo show is connected to my amazon photos account and we have hundreds of images that we've put yeah. into our amazon photos account and then the Echo Show just cycles through those.
1: Yeah, I don't have that. Um, I don't have that, and I didn't want them to cycle through a large number of right. like random photos I've taken. So I picked like I actually went to my favorites in my photos library and picked five photos or something and put them in there. And that's what I do. So you can do either one. You don't have to be. They seem to have made it that you don't have to be an Amazon Photos ecosystem household in order to get pictures on your Echo Show, which I appreciate because I'm not.
0: Yeah, I mean I mean we're not. Uh but I have Amazon Prime, so I have Amazon photos. Yeah. And I just I do too. I just downloaded don't. the photos app, picked a bunch of images from my phone and uploaded yeah. them.
1: I guess I could chuck all my favorites on Amazon photos and then it would use those. Maybe mm-hmm. I'll do that sometime. So maybe
0: know. there's a way to automate it. If you know, you can send it in, we could put it in follow-up. It's up.
1: just the, yeah, this is the, you've reached the level of how much effort I was willing to put into this, is yeah. that I was willing to follow the <laughs> setup instructions to pick some photos, and then I haven't done a single thing with it since. It's nice having those photos there, though. I have yeah. to say, I do enjoy looking at the at the Echo and seeing pictures of my family. That's fun. And finally, Tom asks...
0: Uh, on episode three on last week 's episode three thirty five you were talking about how the iMac pro could have been in twenty max of twenty twenty if it was further in the future if twenty max was twenty, 20 well I guess if it it's thirty max of twenty thirty right uh mm. you made the analogy to the Hall of Fame having a waiting period right so you if you 're going to put something in a Hall of fame, you have to get a bit of distance from it so you can see its impact. Have right. you considered inducting the 20 Max list into a six colors Max of Fame, where you could then potentially induct another Mac
1: every year? Well, this is a great idea. Um, I will say that many of the six, the 20 Max for 2020, are infamous and not famous. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's. I, I have considered at some point writing more of those um, in some form. What form it takes, I have not considered. I thought maybe that would be a thing that I could, I could do five more five years from now or something like that. The idea of, of inducting a new one every year, writing a new essay every year, I could do that. I, I, I worry that it's going to not have a whole lot of impact if it's just once a year, an essay appears instead of it being like a thing, a, a project where there's a rollout, but it's, it's not a bad idea. I, I, you know, if I'm, still writing about Macs five, 10 years from now, which I anticipate that I will be um, if you know everything works out okay, then uh, I anticipate revisiting and telling some other stories about other Macs along the way. But I don't have any plans beyond that. And mm. this is an interesting idea. It's probably not one I would go for, but it, I, I do like the idea of, of just inducting things into the Hall of Fame or shame, depending. I'm looking at you, Mac Portable. The whole, would it be like the... Um... I'm trying to think of, like,
0: notoriety, like some kind of, like, phrase, like the waiting room of notoriety, or, like, something yeah, it's like the, that. Yeah, the,
1: uh, yeah, the, no, the notable hallway. <laughs> <laughs> the greenhouse of notoriety. Uh, thank you so much
0: for listening to this week's episode of Upgrade. If you have a hashtag AskUpgrade question you would like to hear answered on the show, just send out a tweet with the hashtag AskUpgrade or use... Question mark, ask upgrade in the Relay FM members discord, which you have access to if you subscribe to Upgrade Plus. Go to getupgradeplus.com to sign up and learn more. Thank you to AirBuddy and FitBod for their support of this week's episode. If you want to find Jason online, go to sixcolors.com. Make sure you subscribe to the RSS feed because you're going to find out all of that hot information about quarterly earnings reports. Jason does Woo! the best reporting about the quarterly earnings reports that you're charts, going to charts, find. Charts, charts, charts. and luckily he was reminded that it was happening with a couple of yep. days' notice, so he can prepare the charts, as they say. Mm. Uh, Jason is also at jsnell on Twitter, j s n e l l. Jason hosts many shows here at Relay FM and at the Incomparable as well. I am I Mike, i m y k e on Twitter, and I also host many shows here over at Relay FM. Go to relay.fm/slash/shows, and you could maybe find a new podcast to add to your library to listen to we'll be back next time until then say goodbye Justin Snow
1: goodbye Michael Hurley